This is lesson number 30, if I'm keeping track correctly. Um, and today's date is July 27, 2022. 24. What's 20? Yeah, 2022. Uh, yeah, that's what it says in front of me here. <laughs> 72422, sorry. So, uh, uh, what we are doing is studying, uh, our study is in, uh, primarily right now, the epistles that were written during the Acts period. And uh, <clears throat> the primary subject has to do with the sufferings of Christ, which will be mentioned this morning in the, the reading of scriptures, uh, and uh, also suffering for Christ. And um, I believe the main attention that we're thinking about when we look at this is the, those who in the scriptures uh, might be applied to and of course how it may be applied to us but uh, that has to do with sufferings and trials and uh, I think I should make a list of the words that we should be considering here but um, it's I'm so uh, involved with this uh, book of Corinthians because it's uh, it's not an easy one and uh, it's got me baffled in some places, but thank goodness we have some good commentaries uh, from Welch and from uh, from Allen, and uh, and uh, that that makes it a lot more plain. And we want to make sure it's clear or it's not not a lot of value. So um, anyway, having said that, m- most of the things that we we deal with now uh, are associated with the time period between approximately 29 A.D. to 70 A.D. And most of the things that are written, at least the epistles that were written up until the end of the book of Acts was um, penned, uh, those those things are uh, associated with uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, and then there's a drastic change, a parenthetical change, uh, somewhere in there at, at the end of Acts that, uh, that we, our hope and calling exists from, uh, today. But, uh, as I wade through, particularly the book of Corinthians, which we're kind of touching on, I'm not going to do the whole, the whole book, but primarily a few things in second, uh, letter that was written there. Uh, most of those things are uh, are, are things that, uh, if, if you were a new Christian or if you weren't in, weren't a believer at all, and you heard these things, you might say uh, you might be confused as to why there is so much pain, affliction, tribulation, uh, and on and on and on. The different words we can use, and it's so common in each of these letters that. Uh, it, it's it's hard to uh, glean out the part parts that are very positive about what we have in Christ. Obviously, what we have in Christ, primarily just the resurrection in itself, takes care of every subject we can imagine. Uh, and the fact that He was not only a Creator, but He is um, He was resur- the Lord was resurrected, and we have that hope and calling as part of ours. And so this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask a question, and you're probably going to say, what this got to do with What thinketh ye of Barnabas? Uh, forgive me for using the King Lane 
King uh, the King James language there, but uh, this is not something I'm reading from the scriptures. It's just a sentence that I made up. And uh, what in the world does Barnabas have to do with any of the stuff we're talking about, especially in Second Corinthians? And so I might do a little review here of some things that uh, that that may help us. Uh, I'm going to turn to Acts three one to ten. By the way. When does the when does the first time or, or what is it you think of if I mention the name Barnabas what do you think of are you thinking of and I'll tell you immediately here what I'm thinking of are you thinking of, of something positive or something negative because generally the first thing that comes to my mind is Acts chapter 15 concerning his nephew Mark and the Apostle Paul and there were some disagreements there and it and it doesn't appear to be something about in the scriptures. And so if you think that's uh, something of importance, uh, then you'll you'll understand what I think most people do. And that's that's look at it from a negative standpoint. But I see that there's some positive things here that we want to know. So I'm going to take uh, knowing me, I, I like to look at the context of a particular scripture and the verse we're talking about we're interested in is one of the last verses in chapter 4. But to get the context of what is going on here, you've got to go all the way back to chapter 3 to understand that and we won't read all of that but we'll read a few passages of scripture here and there. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 3 of Acts. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And by the way, the context of this is that this is shortly after Pentecost. And this is in Jerusalem. And there are lots and lots of people who have come this particular year for the Passover and so forth. And and many people were saved on the day of Pentecost. And uh, so that seems to be the top subject here. So when we read this in chapter 3, once again, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask uh, an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him, and uh, I'm reading a little bit too quickly here. So we're talking about one who is uh, a certain lame man. So when you think of that, sometimes you should think of feet. Think of the foot of the person you're talking with in the scriptures, because the feet are what we walk with. And many times it's used figuratively in a sense that uh, that it's associated with our own personal walk, how we should walk, that is, live our life in concerning the Lord Christ Jesus. And so he's a man who represents something. We'll see here in a moment. Uh, and so who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asks uh, an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but as such as I give, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took 
him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And uh, let me see, I don't want to read too far, but I definitely don't want to miss. Uh, here it talks about his age. He said, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them to the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's Greatly Wandering. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking for the verse here that tells us that he was around 40 years old. It might be here in the next few words. But uh, but let's think about that thought, that he was 40 years old. And what do we know about the number 40 with the nation of Israel? We go back to the time of the Exodus, and we think about 40 years in the wilderness. And so here is a man who is lame and had not walked and now has an opportunity to walk uh, out uh, the, the rest of his life. And we see a connection here with the fact that something was happening here in the Acts period. And that was some part of what went on during the uh, time of of Moses and so forth. But uh, but this is totally different in the sense that now we have a Savior. The, Israel has their Savior and it's going to make a difference. And as, as obviously as we see a great miracle uh, performed here. Well, we go on and we read further, uh, and it, they go before some of the uh, leaders of Israel here, and they're challenged, and they're uh, asking them questions. They don't want them to have anything. To, they don't want to have anything to do with that, and and uh, that brings us up to chapter four. Hold on one second here. Um, so let's look at uh, four one through eight real quickly. And, and don't forget, we're talking about, let's don't lose focus on the fact that we're talking about Barnabas. And as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. One thing you're going to see if through that period of time during the period, you're going to see a lot of negativity again by the leaders of of uh, those at that time uh, for the nation of Israel. Being grieved, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold up uh, or until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers that their rulers and elders and scribes and us, the uh, high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? And this opens the door to a wonderful message. We will read the next passages or the rest of this particular chapter. But it gives Peter and John an opportunity to tell them to tell the truth concerning why, who was involved in the death of Christ, which were these people who were 
who had actually witnessed, any of these had actually witnessed it and so forth. And so Peter and John, because this was a great miracle, you think about it, the Lord had his time that there were many, 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 many great miracles. And how now Peter and John, at the beginning of their ministry, this part of their ministry, um, have this to speak about and get excited about. And um, let me see, verse 22 was the verse I was looking for a little bit ago. It says, for the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, all, all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. In my, in my Bible, it's in bold print. It's very clear what he just said. And that came, this bold print indicates this came from Old Testament writings. And we're, we don't have a great secret being revealed here. But we have something that was prophesied and Israel would have been looking for day after day after day. For of a truth against thy holy child or servant, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined to be done. Let's see we finish the chapter here. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that are they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy of thy holy child Jesus and when they had prayed and the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul very rare verse in the scriptures when there is a group of people that are of one heart and one soul, of one accord, of one mind. Very few places you find in scripture that happen. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. This was something that they should have expected from Old Testament scriptures also. But notice, these people... no. The most important thing in the world right now to these people is what is going on around them with, and, and, and the fact that they're part of this ministry concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here that each of these had, basically it says they, they brought their things together and shared their own things. Uh, they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there among any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. So if you can imagine working most of your life, drawing Social Security a little bit, and all of a sudden 
the issue is that you're asked to unload your house and sell all these belongings yours. And notice how these how anxious these people were to do so. Something major happening here, and something that the Holy Spirit of God could only reach people to do such a thing. And they laid down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So all their belongings were um, were dealt out where they were needed. And you know what happens in chapter 5. There's a man and his wife are going to lose their life over this because they held some back. But here's the one, here's the part that we've we've been reading for 10 minutes or 12 minutes that we wanted to come to. And Joseph, who by the apostles sir, was surnamed Barnabas. So here's the first time the name Barnabas comes to, to us in Scripture. Which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cy- Cyprus. Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So our introduction to this guy whose name is Barnabas, uh, we see that they have named him, given him the nickname that he's the son of consolation. And this word consolation, over the last month or so when we've been studying, it appears every once in a while and I bring it to your attention. So today I want to fully bring it to your attention because it's a word that's going to be used in the second uh, epistle to the Corinthians, and it's going to be um, a word that is associated with suffering, with tribulation, with affliction, and most of the words we know about from the scriptures that address those. And so, uh, pardon me, that was quite a period of time there, but I I like the context because it's just what led up to the fact that this man whose name was Barnabas, surnamed Barnabas, he was right there with them. At the beginning of this ministry during the X, Barnabas becomes uh, one of these uh, who are going to follow the Lord Christ Jesus. And so we go through the story of, of during the X period and so forth, and then during that period of time, he's the man that connects with the Apostle Paul. Uh, or I should say he connects with Saul. And that is to say that, uh, and then of course the Lord has called out Saul, and it's it's always Barnabas that seems to be the guy that teams up best with him. Well, we might understand. It probably helps to understand the fact that that uh, Barnabas was from Cyprus, and if you know where that, if you had your map, you'd see a, it's an old island to the west of Israel and south of Sicily. I'm mispronouncing that. And and we know somebody from. Tarsus by the name of Saul or the name of uh, whose name would turn to Paul. So they both actually grew up not too far from each other. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't that close. I, I don't want to say that uh, it wasn't that far. Uh, I don't want to say that they knew each other or whatever. It has suggested by some that uh, they knew each other. But uh, they had some things in common. And one of them has to do with their ministering and the minist- those they ministered to. And and early in their ministry, and you can read this in chapter 11 and 12 and so forth. It's it's kind of important if you put all these pieces together. So uh, let's read uh, Acts 15:36. Here's there's the problem. 
that came up. And if, like I said, if you like me, this was, this bothered me a little bit about Barnabas, but it now it kind of bothers me a little bit about, about Paul, uh, about how these two, two men, they were up until this time, they, they were great friends, they, and they were, uh, led by the Lord in their ministry and so forth. And let's start around verse, uh, well, I've got 36 on, so let's see what 36 on says. And some days after Paul, so Paul and Barnabas, uh, went up to Antioch, northern Syria, Antioch. And um, they were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let's not forget there were many others that were here, but their names shine out here. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again to visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of God, of the Lord, and see how they do. Um, Sorry. Looks like I'm starting to lose lose you, but it, okay, it looks good here. Uh, he says, uh, and Barnabas determined to take with him, them John, whose surname is Mark, but Paul thought thought not good to take him with him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work, and the contention contention was so sharp between them. That they departed asunder one from from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul and Sa- chose Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brother through the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So we see a split here between the two. So now I want to take you to one verse in Corinthians, Second Corinthians. And, uh, no, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And without getting into great detail of what Paul is talking about here or to uh, fully understand it, we read this. Let me start back in chapter 9. Uh, real quickly, verse 1. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? These are the words of Paul. Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord and not Ye my work in the Lord. And if you think about it, Paul's the only one that, uh, I have to be careful when I make that statement. Paul's the only one that saw the Lord after, uh, Acts 1. I mean, actually saw him in visions and, of course, on the road to Damascus and, and so forth, he saw him. Uh, he said, I'm not, uh, am I not an apostle? I'm not free. Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? It's a big one for these people to understand. I mean, a big accusation. How many of you can say this? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye and the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas... Cephas, that's Peter. Verse 6. Are I only and Barnabas? Have not we power to forbear working? So without going into any detail here, there was the presence of Barnabas in some manner. I don't know if that necessarily meant he was hanging around with Paul or what. But when it came to this ministry here, this Corinthian ministry, that name shows up one more time. Now that's good news. That Paul, that Paul and uh, Barnabas were not 
left in contention back and asked but to this. Now, what did we say the name of Barnabas meant? Does anybody remember? The son of consolation. Now, you might hate me for this because we're going to read some verses in Corinthians. We're not going to be long today, I don't think. I'm going to try to hold this down to time because it will be easier to come back with the scriptures we need uh, extra time for. But uh, in Second Corinthians, the very beginning chapters, let's read some words here. And we will probably just read through maybe 10, 11 verses and save some things for, or we'll come back to these next week and be a little bit more, uh, give it a little bit more time. So we read in Second Epistle of Corinthians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God at Corinth. And that's the assembly. When this, let's be careful that we when we read these words. This is an assembly of people, and uh, there was a synagogue, I believe. Yeah, I believe there's one in, at, at Corinth. But uh, anyway, we have a church. We have we have an assembly of believers, and uh, and you might note too that in the in the during the Acts period is we have uh, several what we call churches or assemblies in the homes of people, just as we're doing right here. This is what they were doing back then. There were many of them didn't have a synagogue. And then, by the way, the synagogue would not allow them to teach the things that we would be recognizing here. The grace of God and so forth, that would not be part of a, of a assembly of a lot of believers in a, a synagogue. They would have to be, it would have to be in a home for that to happen. Or to be that free scriptures uh, that that are important. He says, "Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort." And the word comfort here is the same word consolation. So. I think it's in some sense appropriate that Barnabas had something to do with the ministry of the Corinthians because that was his sir or his nickname, shall we say, and that was something he apparently was good at. And I think you can bear that out by reading chapter 11 and 12. Some of the things that he did, he was called to do by himself. And remember, he always went and got Paul to help him as as to the type of people that he was witnessing to. They were um, those who would have come out of a, gen- a, a Jew that would have come out of a Gentile uh, country. Uh, uh, so here we see this word. This word. Uh, th- there are three words that we're, we want to care about here. There one is the paraklesis uh, in the Greek, and one is uh, parakaleo. And I believe that's the one we're looking at right here. But we're going to see in the next. Seven or eight verses, at least ten times these words are used. Verse by verse, it's almost not easy to uh, even translate that. And then there is the parakletos. Real quickly, let's look at some verses. And uh, I hate to do this to, to the book of John because there's things here that are uh, 
uh, not well understood and certainly not taught by, by many. Uh, but if we go to John chapter 14, let's look real quick at, at uh, verse 16 and 17. I said John 14. Didn't I? 14, 16, and 17. This is paraklepos. All these three words have something in common. So here we read in uh, verse 16, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. By the way, the Lord is talking to, do we know who he's talking to here? He's talking to 11 of his disciples. One of them had left. That, of course, was Judas. And there's 11 that he's speaking to. So let's be careful what we read and put our our own names on some of these things. Uh, it's, It's not necessarily the case. And so he's saying he's going to send another. There's, uh, he says, I'll pray for the Father and he shall give you another comforter. So the Lord himself, as he walked in their midst of the twelve and so forth, he was a comforter. But here he, here he says, I'm going to send another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And by the way, forever doesn't mean forever all the time here. This is for an age. And that's what was important here. They were getting ready to, uh, when, when these, 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 these were, uh, had met together, they were getting ready for something to happen. They didn't understand it, but the Lord was about to be put on the cross, to be uh, killed on the cross, and, and furthermore, he's going to be resurrected. And so up until this time, they were looking forward to him, and they needed him, and there's a lot of verses that say that very thing uh, in, this, in these passages. And so uh, in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him, not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So here... Um, we see this word that we're looking at over in Corinthians is being used, only it's being used of the Holy Spirit. It's being used of the Lord himself and the Holy Spirit and what is about to come. So, fortunately, this portion of Scripture was, this this prophecy came to, to, to being. And this was what was necessary for uh, Peter and James and John and the others as they did, began their ministry and so forth, in the, uh, as we go through out the the Acts and so forth. Uh, so in uh, fourteen twenty six we read, "But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you." We read similar verses in fifteen twenty six and John sixteen seven. That's, this is the word that we're, is, is being in part of an introduction of the second epistle to Corinthians. Uh, that is to say that the word comforter means to, to come to one side. And we're going to see that used here in Corinth, that this word for comfort or consolation, it's either the noun or the verb, and, uh, and, and it's going to be used a lot of times. 
and um, and it's associated with this other word we just saw concerning the Parakletos, the, the Holy Spirit. It's associated in the sense that uh, that the he, he's uh, well, what does it say about the Lord? He says he's the God of all comfort, and that means a better word would be encourager or uh, strengthen, one who gives strength or one who gives encouragement. So the very name of of uh, Barnabas, uh, n- not so much intentionally, I don't think they just, the Lord put it out there so you'd look at that and stop and say, well, I understand everything. But but we see, we definitely see a connection. So from now on, when we read, we'll read a lot of verses probably, but not not this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you through about verse 11, I think, and notice this. Actually, we'll probably miss the interpretation of what is being said here because we because I'm gonna make emphasis on how many times these words are used. So, verse four says. Who, so he speaks about, about the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement, who comfort us, who encourage, he strengthens us in all, this is Paul speaking, in all our tribulation. In all of his tribulation, he says of the Lord, he strengthens him. What a great thing to have it in your pocket to be able to pull out and say when you are in tribulation. He says, we, he goes on to say, that we may be able to comfort them so that those who are apostles and those who are doing it, as uh, part of this ministry they have, he says that they're going to have tribulation themselves. He says, but it's also there, uh, we have the power to comfort or encourage or strengthen them which are in any trouble. And that word trouble is the same word as the word tribulation in here. In any tribulation. And the comfort wherewith, so here we have it again, the encouragement wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ, so we, we, we see that those verses, the words used four times just in that one verse. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so are Encouragement also abounded, our strength also uh, aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. Same word. It's for your encouragement. Whether If we're afflicted, then there's a reason for it, and that's part of that has to do with the fact that that they're going to bring strength. The Lord's going to provide strength through them. And salvation, uh, that is deliverance, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted. It is your comfort, your uh, encouragement, it is your strength and salvation. So one of the, I don't want to say problems with these passages of Scripture, there's a lot of repetition saying it over and over. And I think it was necessary, when you get to know these Corinthians, it's probably necessary to handle them in that manner. That's the way Paul spoke. Uh, and our hope is you steadfast knowing that you're partakers of the sufferings, so you shall be also of the encouragement. You're going to be uh, participating in encouraging others and so forth. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure 
above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. So now we're going to get into the real center of, I think, the Apostle Paul's mind. We're going to find out the real apostle here. And I have great respect for what he was able to accomplish. I I should say, I have great respect for what the Lord accomplished through the Apostle Paul. But here he he did things that probably many of the others who were uh, ministers and so forth did, and and far more than we would say in what we see today. Uh, we're going through a time period here where things have changed. There, the Lord has been resurrected, and now we have a, uh, a lot of ministers of the Scripture who learn. They're learning. They, they become. Uh, you know, they're, they're uh, received salvation and so forth, and they're part of that. As well as, don't forget, there were 500 that Paul speaks of in Corinthians who were who saw the Lord in resurrection. So, uh, without going much further, I think we're we're out of time here. Uh, I, I just want to put up some information. Uh, some uh, I'm trying to put together some things here that. Uh, certainly bring to our attention uh, how this what, how this word starts off and is very heavily used here in the very first chapter. We'll go through and look at probably several more scriptures that uh, show us the same thing and try to apply it. We'll see it also in some of the other bodies of believer that the Lord wrote to. Uh, we'll look at some of those and just compare them real quickly. But I think it's an important time uh, period of time in in scripture, in the life of the scriptures, and that's during the, uh, this time up until, uh, the end of the book of Acts. So anyway, I'm gonna stop there, have a word of prayer, and we'll open up the, the, the room. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us and how you are at our side to comfort us and to console us. Thank you so much that we have that available to us. Thank you for your wonderful word, for the witness of it through others, um, and how you use these others in a way that opens the door for for us to also enjoy the things that you have given us under for, for all the conditions that we live. Thank you for uh, each everyone, each and everyone here this morning and uh, ask that the those who have listened here is your word, plain, not my word. These things we thank you in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.